I learned that going through the therapist because I learned, I, it made me realize what I was lacking in myself. The therapist is asking the right questions at the right time to generate the answers that you seek. Hi, and welcome to Dad Anil. My name is Mike Trank, and as you can figure, I'm a dad. I feel that's how a lot of other podcasts start, and those dads will tell you what their day is like. They'll probably talk about what it's like being a dad today, too. But along with being a dad by day, I'm also a mental health counselor by night in my own private practice. As a clinician in private practice, and one of those dads sitting in pickup and drop-off lines for school, I wanted to share what I see in this ever-changing world. So together, let's create the best version of being a millennial dad. Today in episode three, we'll be continuing my conversation with someone I look up to as a dad and I've known as a long time as a friend, Cesar Fernandez. This one will be more talking about his experiences in therapy. But before you listen to that, I thought I'd give you what I've been working on. I've been keeping track of my Let It Out Nows, my lions, and I'm going to start posting them more and more. Uh, this one I started posting on the Facebook page for Dad O'Neill, and uh, you'll see a picture there too of a musician named Andrew McMahon. And uh, I was floored this week in a positive way by my six-year-old son, my now six-year-old son. And this is going to divulge a little information about me which is good. I think this is a positive of I am an adult and misconceptions or misconstrued thoughts, positive or negative about adult ADD. Have them as you may. That's one of the things that I have as a, as a major barrier being a stay at home dad. Sometimes of sometimes the thoughts, sometimes staying focused, sometimes just the day to day, just the hour to hour, just the second by second can be extremely difficult. And one tool that I've used my whole life and that I've really connected to is music. Music has always been calming, always been soothing, always been, if I'm feeling excited in my head and I can't calm down, and I've really had to use it again in my life when I stayed at home with my first kid and both kids still. And one of the, when he was really young and I was struggling as being a stay-at-home dad of figuring out what that was and what that meant and how I still feel like I continued as a male in, in the world, right? Of still getting that question that you'll hear in this conversation between me and Caesar in one of the episodes of, oh, it's nice that you babysit or it's nice that you're taking care of the kids. Of Yeah, first question of, so what do you do? And if you say stay-at-home dad, it's a different look than if you say, if, well, I'm director of sales or sous chef at the Chipotle, whatever the case is, whatever your hot to trot uh, lifestyle is. So I fast forward now to one of the albums that when my oldest son was about one, one to two years old, especially at lunch, because I feel like it'd be more chaotic time and I'm still trying to be a counselor at an agency and my wife has started a new job. And I just felt a lot of stress and a lot of pressure at this time. And I was listening to a lot of music myself, and I got my son into it, too, because it helped both of us. He would make him smile, make him happy as a child in a high chair, feeding him squished peas and, you know, smushy carrots. And uh, 
trying to be in the moment. Music helps me be in the moment too. I slow things down in my mind. And Andrew McMahon and the satellites in the wilderness, the satellites. Um, so I posted out there and I ended up seeing one of his shows where he opened up for Weezer. This was uh, about five, six years ago with my brother. Um, and so this week, my son, who still listens to these songs, he loves them and it kind of conjures up memories for him now, which is great to see was asked me if I we could go to a concert and I love concerts and I can't wait to take him to many concerts and to explore all the concerts are and all the feelings and all just it's a very special unique thing I find and I know a lot of other people feel that way too and I looked online for uh, Andrew McMahon and unfortunately he's not coming to the Raleigh area the closest is like three hours away and uh you know, unfortunately, I had to tell him that. If we'll keep looking, we're going to find a show. Hopefully, it's it's him. He does a great performance. So hopefully, when he's in the Raleigh area, that we'll get a chance to go to the show and maybe try to do one of the VIPs so we can see him and, and meet him and kind of meet someone that brings up uh, positive feelings and emotions for him and positive lunchtimes as, as a baby, now as a young, young child, young boy. And... Uh, I think that that's great. I think that's a special dead annual moment I wanted to share and a lion that it's a positive one and also shares a little bit about my insights of one of my coping skills, one of the things that I've found that really works for me. And that's an important thing to keep in the back of your mind. If you are struggling of, I'm sure we've, a lot of us have heard the words coping skills. What does it mean? What is it? What do I do? These just don't work. You know, my therapist, my mom, my dad, my spouse, my partner has told me about them or try to give me some, but they just don't work for me. And I would just say, don't give up. There's thousands of them. Fine. Keep trying and find the one. You're not going to find 50. I have a handful that are my go-tos, and music is one of them. And Andrew McMahon albums has been a big one of them for the last few years especially having kids or something that's just great music so thank you very much and i wanted to i wanted to recap that last time caesar and i talked about his experience as a millennial dad and we dug in a little bit on things about the stress of family life and dad groups and how caesar is doing things differently than his dad and that's kind of the premise of the whole dad daniel aspect of this uh, we're going to talk more about his life as a dad today but also I'm looking forward to talking with Caesar about his experience with therapy. So let's get back into it. Let's listen to episode three. And at the end, please feel free to go to dadanneal.com. Leave your feedback, comments. Go to the Facebook page. See the lines that I'm posting up there. See the little post I put about Andrew McMahon and the photo that I put up there. And uh, I hope you enjoy. So what I have done, and this brings me entertainment as a dad, I will generate random conversations with people. Mm. Um, and I and I do it because, uh, especially when I'm in the tournaments and there's just a bunch of parents there and we're waiting for our kids to finish, mm-hmm. I'll strike up a conversation with anybody. Mm. And it's, it's out of loneliness, really, to try to like fill the gap or to, or the, the thrill of meeting somebody new. Mm-hmm. And I, I miss that. A little bit, yeah. like just meeting a meeting a new face or seeing a new face or making a new friend, because you don't get that a lot as an adult. And, no. and of course, post COVID, you're not going to the office anymore to, to have work friends. 
So I mean, I work by I'm myself. Doing. So yeah, it's just me and myself and I. It is. So I go, I, I go out of my way and I start, like a couple weeks ago, I met a guy from Sweden. Um, and, you know, we had a great conversation. He's a, he's a chess player. Also, he was like a master when he was a young kid. Mm. Uh, but he's one of the coaches for my son. And I had met him for the first time. His son's in eighth grade. Um, and he's traveled the country for work. Or, you know, just traveling from, you know, Singapore to Germany and Sweden, been in London, New York City, and now he's in Charlotte. And one of the things he was telling me, we were talking about, I mentioned before about us being, living in the suburban homes, suburban lifestyles, how siloed we are in a way. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he told me, and I agreed with him, was what we missed the most about kind of living in a city or interacting more with people is just the opportunity to to meet somebody an opportunity to to make a friend or say hello yeah well you you know i i I don't know if i don't know if the next generation is going to have that um as easily as we have it because of the because of the phones i think it's a little different to when you have to meet face to face or or even asking a young lady out on a date you know if you walk it's very different number you know you had to have that moment there's a moment of courage that it takes yeah. to go jump in that cold pool and yeah they're, they're definitely not getting it. that no they're definitely not getting that they're definitely it's i use the term a lot too a new normal right like the, what's normal to them is not normal to us you know when right. i see if when they see if like how did mom and dad meet and i tell them like oh we met in a met in a bar after a kickball league like what? yeah like yeah so how they date i mean so i try to look at it from that lens of all right, so it's we were different than our dads. They're going to be different than us, you know. Yeah. And COVID has definitely shifted a lot of that, and yeah. you know, there's a lot of. But that was one of the things, like that that thrill of of right. meeting. I mean, it wasn't a woman, obviously. But we're human, yeah. We're, we're social beings, right? Right, and right. and sometimes you know, especially me, I'm I'm very introverted. It doesn't seem like it throughout this conversation because I'm talking a lot. But especially being somebody so introverted as I am. I had forgotten. Sometimes I, I forget how how essential having that social element of my life is. You know? So first off, I think you're an introvert extrovert, which is you can be both now. That's well, fun. yes, I have. I've had to develop the extrovert part. Yeah, introvert part. I, I don't know when 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 you first met me, and I'm grateful. I th- I think about you and I thank you regularly, like in my head. I've said this to you as well, obviously, that I thank how outgoing you were when we first met and how you would come you know to my room knock on the door hey you want to go to dinner you want to go to play pool or whatever you know mm-hmm. i was not that person i was very much stuck in just my own little box just because that's how i was you know i had other issues growing up at the time it's funny you say that because that person especially that 18 19 year old kid boy he was a dumb dumb <laughs> but that is always because I, I I feel like we are a lot alike, and right, my natural instinct is to not want to talk and just want to be introverted. I like I like being by myself, yeah, first yeah. and foremost. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I've always had to learn, and this is through like being an only child up to ten years, and just kind of getting to that point of life where, personally, as a teenager, I felt of like, well, it's the world against me, right? Yeah. No one thinks I can get get to college. No one thinks I can do any of this. I didn't really care. I was just kind of in, in a really bad negative cycle at that point. Mm-hmm. So I, I started just like, well, F it. What's the worst that happens? Someone else yeah. just says no. Someone else just puts a door on my face. Right. That's fine. 
So what's the worst that happens? Like, yeah, whether that, that's the kind of way I went through everything. I'm like, yeah. all right, I'm just going to go do it. If he opens the door and wants to hang out, cool. If not, yeah. that's still how, like, even here moving to the new place, I still have that mentality, a sense of like, because I know me and my wife, Holly, talk about it. Of, And it's funny, too. I was going to say, if it's, it's almost in a way easier for her because she, I found like a 5K locally. She'd been running. I'm like, oh, it's a 5K in town mm-hmm. uh, last weekend. You should sign up for it. You like doing the races. Yeah. And she didn't have anyone this time. She goes with a friend back in the day. Yeah. But she went by herself. She ended up like running with someone that had like same speed. Like, oh, they exchanged numbers. And now like, oh, they might go running here and there. Like, why is it so easy? Like, you see, you're worried about being here. I'm the one here just sitting in an office, yeah. staring at a wall, talking to people. Like, this is. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and the thing is like you, like part of that lesson I learned from you at a young age is I got to get myself out there, you know, mm-hmm. and. I had a hard time with that, with that transition from high school to to being living by myself in college. And I, I don't know if I would have gotten that. I wouldn't have acclimated as quickly if it wasn't for you. Um, just reaching oh, out the way you. that you did it. as much as you did. Well, and that's what I said to you. I think I think the, the weird but cool thing about our friendship, in my mind at least, is we haven't spent the most time with each other. Mm-hmm. But whenever we do like meet up again because we would go like a couple of years where we wouldn't see each other, talk to each other. Not that we never not liked each other like that. Just how we used to be before yeah. cell phones or before things like that, or one reason or another. Yeah. And it would just kind of like start up again. Like yeah, we right. don't miss a beat. We don't miss a beat. Yeah, we don't miss a beat, and it's always like I feel like it was the time with you, whether in college or even after, it has been some of the most impactful and moments of my life that like I remember more vividly. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, and just seeing that as you get older, too, of like understanding of, all right, here's a pattern in my life of someone that, whether it was college, whether it was Orlando, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's now, of, yeah. you know, how how we have that and how it, I feel like, impacts me. And yeah, I think it's, I think it's an important resource that sometimes you just kind of maybe forget or maybe just don't pay attention to, but just kind of that recognition and understanding like yourself, it's kind of, Call back here at the beginning here of right. of seeing the pattern, seeing of like oh that that is pretty cool. That's pretty important. That's that's a special uh, special friendship, special relationship. But I think I think that uh, and I think I said to you too. I think think the other thing that oh, as a youngster that I never realized and always been impactful for me and always helped me see at least stop and see. And now I see more. Obviously, the therapists understand more is that we grew up in the same area. We knew a lot of the similar same people. Yeah. And it's always that stupid, naive, young person assumption of like, our experiences are similar. But when you told me like they're not, because you're a Dominican, I'm just mm-hmm. a white guy, like right. your experience in, in the damn rare is very different than mine. And how right. that kind of shocked me of like, oh, wait a minute. I, all right. Like I never, I never thought about it or saw it that way until you tried yeah. to explain it to me. Of like, and I, I was like adamant of, no, it's, we, we know the same people. Like, how could it be different? But no, as I get older, of like understanding of like how so that's I, I mean, I don't know if you want to extend this conversation in like 30 minutes, but you've just opened up something else. So I've I've seen a therapist mm-hmm. being a dad. I need I needed one because, like you said, like there's a part of me that is a perfectionist, um, especially with my like I'm not a perfectionist in my workplace or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do the best I can with the, what I have, and I put a limitation on myself in the workplace because I don't want to overwork because my priority is my family, my children and my wife. Yep. So that's where I'm perfect. 
And I put that pressure on myself and I did need to see a therapist for a while. Got the EAP thing through work and all that other noise. And I remember requesting, is there any somebody that you, they asked me on the EAP, is there somebody specific that you want to see? I said, I prefer somebody who's a man um, and not a white man. I wanted somebody who could relate to me in a yep. way. I, I wish I would have gone, had a, uh, would have gone a little further and requested a father also. Mm-hmm. But they did match me up with uh, a nice black gentleman locally over here. Uh, and I saw him for, you know, probably six, seven weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very, it was very enlightening. Um, but I, and I remember making that request because I, I felt that his upbringing would be sort of similar to mine in a way that our dads would have had a different upbringing as well that would get passed down to the next generation. Um, so my dad would have a different work experience than your dad. Mm-hmm. And because of that, your upbringing would be different than mine. Yep. Generationally. Yeah. You know, there was a certain set of, I mean, you had your expectations and I had my expectations. You know, yeah. and some expectations were just get out of the neighborhood. Like for us, it was my, my parents worked hard to get out of the ghettos and out of project housing. Right. We shouldn't have, we shouldn't need to go back into it. You know what I'm saying? You know, my father grew up in Washington Heights, you know, and my, my mother was in, you know, in upper Manhattan, you know, not in nice neighborhoods, 100, 109th and Broadway when they came from the islands as teenagers, 13, right. 14 years old, whatever it was. Um, and because of that community, you know, it's just going to be different. Yeah. You know, going to ghettos and stuff. Like we, I remember going to my, my great grandfather's house, you know, in, in, in Spanish Harlem and, you know, the roaches scattering all over the place in these small little places. You wouldn't believe like that this old person lives in this nasty apartment. You know what I'm saying? Or down the street or, you know, people selling, selling crack on the corner, wide daylight, wide open. And it's right there, you know, or gunshots or, you know, in the background or going to sleep. And no matter what hour of the day it is, there's gunshots, police sirens and fire trucks. And that was part of it, you know, and that that's how my parents grew up. And I, my early years were like that, where I heard that in the background. So when I moved to the suburbs in Bethel, I was five or six when I was young, Mm -hmm. but my father still had that chip on his shoulder that he was, he thought himself, he, I think he thought of himself as one of those like self-made men from the projects that, you know, like George Jefferson moved up to the East side with his laundry business, you know, his dry cleaning business. It was that kind of mentality. Yeah. And you got to kind of have that mentality to, yeah. To break the break the cycle, right? That's what yeah, it is. And he was, I mean, he would come, he was a corporate guy. He worked at Reader's Digest, yeah. the magazine for 25 years in, in Pleasantville in New York. You know, but he would come and he would tell me about his friend. You know, one friend was Clarence, another one was Henry, these two black guys. And it was these two black guys and my dad would have lunch every day. And I met them a few times. So I'd go to work with my dad. But my dad never told me stories about the white guys. <laughs> you know, he never interacted with them. You know, there was always that chip on his shoulder that, you know, it's like... It's different then, too. Yeah. For sure. Or going, you know, when I first got my driver's license, I remember going through a nice neighborhood and driving, and I 
came home and asked my dad, hey, dad, you know this neighborhood here? Neighborhood was here? It's over in Greenwich. I think I got lost and I ended up in Greenwich or something. And, uh, and yeah, <laughs> I was meeting a girl and I got lost on the way back home. And he was like, yo, you don't belong there. And I was like, what do you mean you don't belong there? He's like, you don't belong there. You belong, uh, you know, more over here. That Those people are are over there for a reason. Those are the wealthy white folks that live there. You know, you belong over here with us. You know, I don't want you to get in trouble being in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, that's the conversation that I had with my father, you know, or the police conversation that a lot of black fathers have with their sons. I had a very similar conversation. I can get by because I, you know, I pass, I can pass for anyways. I'm a light-skinned Dominican guy, you know, because, right. you know, we're all mutts. It's, you know, colo- like colonialism all over the Eastern Seaboard. It's happening. Yeah. You know, I have Irish blood and, you know, African and Native Spanish and the Native American, you know, indigenous people. It's all mixed together in the islands. But, you know, having that conversation with my dad about, you know, keep your hands on the steering wheel, don't move. You know what I'm saying? It's You had that conversation. So when I asked for a therapist, I had to, you know, I was very adamant. I want, I want this person to be this person because that's how I think that they would better relate to me. Right. Rightfully so. I think that's, so, that's and, also, and yeah. not to discredit, you know, a white dude. I'm sure they would have, you know, insight yeah. as well. I I think I've learned, or I understand at least, of even the course curriculum, right? It's geared in a general sense, and yeah, you have your cultural courses of like how to how to do your best to you know not step on you know when you're in a home or you're working with a family that. It's from the islands or wherever, you know, yeah. of how do you just kind of step back and like let them show you what their cultural norms are so that you can kind of match of what therapy or how can you work with that family or person, mm-hmm. you know, without breaking social norms, cultural norms, you know, trying to, but it's a very generalized thing. And, and it, I've had this is personally of so. I spent a couple of years after I got my master's. Um, you, had, you have to take three thousand. You have to complete three thousand hours postgraduate. So you're pretty much working an agency, and they give you the worst. So like here you go. You're just the low end of the totem pole, and yeah, go into some of the worst parts of the greater Boston area. Going mm-hmm. into the homes, working with these kids, working with these families, kind of just helped me a lot understand too of. The gentle touch is how I call it. By that I mean, don't just edit that, please. <laughs> is is just kind of not going in there, which I feel like some therapists can do and do do is like, here's here's what we're doing. Here's our ten stuff. Here's our sessions. This is what we're gonna do, and yeah. just get me out of here. I'm like, all right, you tell me your story. You tell me what's going. You tell me what you know. Tell me more about your family. Where'd you come from? You know, right. like what's that on the wall? And tell me about that picture. You know, just trying to understand so I can like gently then of like yeah. kind of break in that thing of like I know we probably don't have anything relatable at all, right? Even though it's like some families have not told you of right. Like I feel like I'm privileged in the sense of knowing that my grandfather was one of those people that came to America with nothing. Yeah. So hearing that story and having him in my life of like, all right, I know what that was like for him and like how passion how like trauma traumatic it was for him to like start from nothing to get to where he was and right how the next generation like you can't when i, when I told him i was six years old it's like i want to be a bus driver he almost literally killed me 
Like, I did not <laughs> risk my life with them for you to be a bus driver. Yeah. And that was right, just his mentality. So I kind of understood of when dads would be like, we're here in America. He is not just going to like waste his time. You're like, I'm like, okay, I can understand that somewhat. Right? At some level, I can have some like understanding of like, okay, but I don't want to impose of like, oh yeah, I have the same story too. Like, no, I don't. I don't have the same story at all. It's my story and your story is your story. And so trying to like gently of find something relatable, find something, you know, that build that trust, a lot of building rapport, a lot of getting that trust, especially with, you know, families and people. I stopped seeing him, it was seeing him, it was because, you know, the AP would only do so much. Yeah, it's only eight to ten sessions usually. Yeah, something like that. But I realized afterwards that I was looking forward to seeing him. Mm-hmm. Not because necessarily that he was, you know, doing any work on me, although I'm sure he was. But I realized that what I was missing was I just needed somebody to talk to and somebody that to, to that I can relate to because I needed that that mom group per se you know like yeah. you mentioned like we don't we didn't have we don't have that and I'm, no. that's why I'm, I'm i'm happy that you're doing this yeah um i mean that's, that's what i do I, it for myself it's my own selfish reasons too of, uh, it's it's two part of like I, it helps me maybe grow a business of instead of just seeing one person at a time and seeing because like, i see a lot of men i've worked with a lot of you know yeah. in this in this world so it's like all right how can i help more but also if how can I talk to people I want to talk to and kind of make this, you know, spread the word kind of thing of like, here you go. Like, here's something we can start with. Here's that ground of, I don't know how to start a group. I don't know how to start like a local group on Facebook with dads. or you know. yeah, yeah. Like, I want to make it bigger. I want to make it something where like here you can have support group in Charlotte and Raleigh and Boston, New yeah. York, wherever. Like, and so you can, that's where you can go. Like, I'm a new dad. All right, I can go to dad and I'll, I'll find my local support group. Or yep. don't even call us a support group. I feel like it just has a bad name. Like, here, just a group of guys of like, here, we're going to the park on, on Thursday at 10. If you're around, like, we, we go around. Or like, we're going on Saturday to, you know, wherever. Just yeah. having that. It's not just guys sitting around. Oh, yeah, I think it has that stigma, too. Of Because I, I, I feel like the one thing I hear is, and maybe you've seen this, too, more and more people like, you know, guys need to go to therapy. And, and I'll well, get it. Like, well, I'm told I'm going to go to therapy. Yeah. Now what? <laughs> right. Like, well, right. what do you want to talk about? I don't know. I'm a guy. I'm supposed to go to therapy. It's what I always hear. Like, I got an issue. I'm supposed to go to therapy. Yeah. Like, well, all right. Let's start from the beginning then, because it's it's that thing of like, I feel like there's just so many like broken pieces of the whole system right now. Of like, all right, guys are like more understanding of maybe there's something wrong. I'm told I'm supposed to go to therapy. I'm told I'm supposed to like talk about things that happened to me, why I am the way I am. Yeah. But you don't know how. Right. Which I think leads to like my final kind of question kind of thing that I throw out there at the end there, which is to de- destigmatize it. I think for a lot of guys is yeah. when you hear therapy, you think of many different things. Yeah. Not a lot of them are positive. And even that thought of where do I start? Where do I, you know, what do I say? What do I right. do? Oh, I will say this before we still go to that. I was going to say earlier of when you just go randomly talk to people, mm-hmm. it's, it's a fun game and we could probably do this too. So, with my psychology background, I like to like dissect them and figure out if I can know like their personality type and then figure out some questions and then go to them and ask them. Oh, that's a fun game. <laughs> See if I'm right or wrong. That's that's interesting. That's interesting. I'm, I'm about like 85, 90%. Pretty good still. I'm, still I'm, sure, you are. I'm sure you are. I think, I, you know what, I, I mean, and not to discredit you, but I, I, I think a lot of people are like that. 
there's a there's oh, yeah. a there's a something I do it professionally innate. though. Yes, so I'm sure you, you put the pin right there. <laughs> but there's I think there's something innate, you know, and how it is how how people gravitate to like kind or like minded people, and I think there's something that attracts us to certain others that are similar. Yeah, he will pick up on traits. I'll pick up on certain things of like, oh, that person's wearing this, or that person's. I can hear him talking about that. Of like, right. I know about that, or like, I know about that team. Yeah, yeah. just finding something, some common ground. So, so yeah, so one thing, I, one thing I don't do, I don't, I don't, I don't talk sports. I figure, I think that's the least common denominator when I do that kind of thing. Um, I don't talk sports, and I don't talk, uh, I don't talk over beers. Like, I, people say, hey, you want to get a beer or whatever, so I'll go to the bar. But I will be very uh, specific in what I order. Like, I'll order a cocktail at a bar instead of drinking a beer. See, I feel shape. Um, like, you, you, you've called out about 80% of my game right now, first of all. <laughs> Second of so, all, yeah. It's this thing of, like, I need to drink an IPA. And I hate IPAs. I love fruity beers. I like vodka and pineapple. I have yeah. a sweet tooth of 44. Like, I, yeah, I don't yeah, know. I like, I am like a sugary Goonies diabetic just waiting <laughs> to explode. But, yeah, I, if I'm just with, like, a... That is the thing of like, all right, you want to go grab a beer or something? I don't know. Like, yeah, let's go to the. You know what it, it, what it is 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 sports is the is the lowest common denominator. But it brings it's people like, together. It's, like, it's nationality, nationality, and then sports. You know, I'm in the USA, USA. You know, there's that. That's very common ground. And then there's the sports team. Hmm. Um. So that's why I don't do that because like I said, like I said, it's my my meeting new people. It's in, it's intentional. I'm doing it to fill a void that I have, not and I'm not doing it. I'm not being mani- like manipulative about it. No, it's of course just, not. I, I just need it's to genuine. fill it. Yeah, it's genuine, raw, and real. What you're saying now is just very genuine yeah. and raw. It's very much understanding yourself, and yeah. that awareness level is extremely high. That you know what you're craving, you know what you want. It's yeah. the frustrating True. part is of like, how do I fill it? Right? How do yeah. I fill that void? And that could be the most difficult part when you're like I can manage all these other things but I can't manage the one thing that I want right the one thing that I, I, I actually want and I actually would like enjoy I can't figure out as smart as I am as much as I can like cook every night and do everything else fantastic I can't figure out how does you know how does this work right is there a is there a uh, entrepreneur book of how to create a <laughs> business plan for dads but I, I learned that going through the therapist because I learned, I, it made me realize what I was lacking in myself. Just talking stuff out. Like he wasn't prompting me. Or like he, that's not true. He would prompt the question because of course he's trained to do that. He knows how to initiate the conversation. But he asking, the, the therapist is asking the right questions at the right time to generate the answers that you seek. You the therapist that's is always that's like, a, took it. therapist is always two or three questions ahead or most yeah, of the time. Yeah, right. And you can tell that. <laughs> right, like they don't really answer. They already know what you need. They already like know what the problem is. It's trying to guide you. Of, right. all right, let's find how you can figure it out. So you feel like, aha, I figure it out. Like, good. so I, I, so I, I learned that that's what I was missing was connections with others, mm-hmm. having people to relate with. And I don't do so. I said I don't do. I don't talk about nationality. I don't talk over beers. And I mm-hmm. do a cocktail because the cocktail is a slower process. Uh-huh. Um, you can sip a cocktail and have a longer conversation as opposed to people downing beers. Uh-huh. Like people, they get the, the, the familiarity of just downing, you know, bottles or cans. People drink that stuff like soda. 
you know, eventually what the bars you go with, you can go to a brewery and get a nice like seven percent beer at your sip. You're not pounding a double IPA anytime soon. Trust me. Player, these are dads in the suburbs. They want a Bud Light and they want like ten of them. You're in the wrong suburbs. <laughs> Come to my suburbs. We're sipping on like stout yeah. beers that like take like forever, and you're getting like a nice wood fired pizza and. You know, and enjoying the afternoon. That sounds that sounds very romantic, but I I guess I don't. Sorry, see I romanticize it. You know, <laughs> that sounds it does. It sounds very romantic. I don't I don't see that, and I a lot of the dads I see out there, it's escaping, like oh, they're, yeah. they're escaping the moment. Escapism is huge because that's so, and that's why I don't out. do beers because I think that's what's happening, and I don't want to be right. part of that. You know, I, I've tried really hard again since since I met with that therapist. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about myself. And about trying to maintain my presence. I want to make a group and start like a hashtag, hashtag cocktails with C's. Yeah, so, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so we can go like, like every every Friday, you can have like a nice cocktail somewhere. Yeah. You can meet up with people. I, I you know, that, and that's, I prefer that because, you know, like I said, I, I like to stay present. I'm sorry, I like, I, like, I like to stay present. And I learned that through the therapist. So I, I learned how to, you know, I meditate every morning. I do 10 to 15 minutes of meditation, practice mm-hmm. that usually comes back at least once or twice throughout the day where I have to practice that stay in the present moment. Don't let your mind take you down a a fantasy Mm -hmm. that's not there yet, either through anxiety or reliving the past. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's one of the two. Um, So that meditation practice that I learned from going through therapy and learning about myself helps out a lot being the dad that I am. Yeah. It's all about managing. Trying to push back that resentment that I may have that may sneak up. And I can be like, no, nah, that's that's my old version thinking of that. Or that's my memories yeah. that may not be exactly the way it is. Just to kind of harken back to, you don't have the struggles that your dad had of trying to get there is different than where you are. Of, oh, right, yeah. You're there. And it's it's a different, different world, too, on top of it. So, yeah, everything is completely different. What what is your uh, I have to ask what's what's the favorite cocktail of Caesar? Uh, so right to keep it simple, man. I I, I do uh, about three fingers of Grand Marnier. I mm-hmm. have a nice ice block. Three mm-hmm. fingers of Grand Marnier, and I, I splash a little maraschino liqueur in there. Mm-hmm. That lasts me a good thirty five minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it, man. If I'm doing something nice, um, there's a cocktail that I make for my wife and I call the gold rush which is yeah it's just whiskey honey syrup mm-hmm. and lemon juice it's a you give me anything with honey and syrup mm. yeah it's a honey syrup so it's you know three parts honey one part water put in the microwave stir it put a little whiskey in there or bourbon whatever you, or whatever kind of whiskey bourbon you like mm-hmm. and some lemon juice dry shake for like 10 seconds and pour it mm-hmm. over a block of ice and you're good you should get uh like the honey whiskey injected. <laughs> oh, that yeah. makes it a little bit better. A little extra sweetness to it, trust no, me. No, yeah, no, no, I, may, I may try that. Yeah. They know me up in the liquor store. Oh, yeah, the ABC. You're the D. <laughs> no, I don't go to ABC, man. Oh, you go <laughs> I to South Carolina. Yeah, you What's a question that you... You want to like? Do you think someone would ever want to ask a therapist? Or you would ever want to ask a therapist, or what helps destigmatize therapy? Hmm. That's a that's a tough question. It I is. think it's I think this for men to go see a therapist 
it's I think it's seen as a sign of weakness, of mm. mental weakness, um, physical weakness, because it can manifest physically. And to put that pride aside for your own betterment can be tough to recognize. So my so my question is, you know that when you see a man coming in to see you. Mm. How do you address that early on? Like, is that something that comes out right away? Because I'm sure this is most men that you see have that stigma already or have that. They've already come in with their head hanging down. I'm a weak person because I'm seeing a therapist. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you address that early on? Or does that conversation come up first? Or, you know, yeah. one of the first things that gets addressed when you're in, when you're in a session with somebody. I like it. When I see someone, it's similar to what you were saying. Of like they're looking for a male, they're looking for someone relatable, someone that's you know kind of maybe going through what they're going through or have some idea what they're going through. I feel like the first thing that pops in my mind, for better or worse, is is that I get if like I've I've tried different therapists and just none of them work. It's like almost like a last resort by the time they come to me. It's almost mm-hmm. like. I'm supposed to go to therapy. I, I, I try to work on anxiety, depression, blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah, I hear him like do this or that. I try like walking and but like no one just really gets it. And I just like, I, it, I don't know. Like I'm trying it one more time and maybe, maybe a guy can help. I, I don't know. Like because it's few males. So it's usually of not, you know, plenty of great female therapists, but just the, maybe that relatability to it. You're saying for some of, and yeah, I, it's, it's that. You can kind of see it. You kind of see that defeated mindset of like, I don't know. I don't know how to fix this. I'm just so anxious. I'm just so depressed. I'm just so, you know, stressed and just trying to be in the moment. I, you know, it's, I think it's that crossroads that we've all, both of us have come across. I think, you know, that dads have come across of, all right, we're, we're, we grow up, we kind of start our past with a career and then we add a relationship to it and then we start mixing in kids and then now it's just haywire I'm like wait a minute where's the book what, what do we do <laughs> I, I wasn't prepared for this yeah I'm, I'm not prepared of like uh, my career is going to crap my kids hate me yeah. my wife and I like I, we barely look at each other and yeah. you know just no sparks fly just more daggers yeah. Yeah. so it's like I, I, how do I balance this anymore like, I, do, I used to be able to balance it it's always out of like when I ask them I do that like kind of one to ten of alright where are you and they'll give me whatever number, and and I always kind of say like, well, what does what does a one look like? What is a really good good day, or what does that feel like? And it always goes back to like, well, I was twenty three. Like you can go back to it right away. I'm like, all right. So yeah. what I'm hearing is a lot more has been added on. So it's just more of that pressure, more of that. Well, now I have to be a great dad. I can't be like my dad. I, I got to be great in my job because right there's competition for everything you got to be the best you know what you do you got to try to you know be good at your job you got to be you have to be there for your your partner right you you have to be more in tune emotional understanding you can't just be your Al Bundy or just sit on the couch or just sit in a chair and watch news hour it's (laughs) you know if I did that I'm sure I'd be served papers within a week so you know so it's it's the expectations are, are totally different and, and I think that just really throws off a lot of people of, I, I can remember when I used to be able to handle it all. Cause it's, it's that balance of like, I used to be able to handle it all. I still know the old way cause I can just hold it all in, but now I can't hold it all in anymore. Now it's just overflowing and I'm just, I just anxious and just not, I can't take it anymore. 
And I think it's that, that, that crossroads, that kind of path, even for myself of, yeah, starting my practice and having a kid and, you know, being in a relationship and doing, trying to do it all at once of like, yeah, but what about me? Wait, when, when's that monthly massage again? And it's yeah. just, even, even today, like, all right, I know I need like five minutes, just kind of count to five, take some deep breaths, just kind of reset. I like to write a little bit, mm-hmm. make sure I got here a couple minutes earlier after I had my fiasco at Chick-fil-A. And, uh, <laughs> that's another, oh, I wanted to mention this. I want to mention this and you made a good point. So I also, I started journaling at, at, during COVID. Um, I remember the day, October 27th, 2020, I had my first journal entry. I'd never done it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, for some reason, I felt like I needed something changed. It's a way to let it out. It's psychologically a way that you're physically letting it out. Yeah. So I, I, I needed to have something because I couldn't talk a lot. I still, mm-hmm. I'm not a, again, I'm not a talker, but I committed. I, I journal. I did it every day for six six months, every single day. And I filled a full college rule page, sometimes both sides, you know, and I made it a point. I'm going to fill the page at very minimum. So fill at least one page. Just so I would let it all out. You know what I'm saying? I would, I would give whatever I had at the moment. And if I only do a sentence or a paragraph, maybe I'm not digging deep enough. So I'd make it a point. You know, I'm going to fill the whole page for, you know, these first couple months, every single day. And I'm talking, I'm reading like self-help books and all this other stuff. Because I was, you know, for so long, I was embarrassed to go see a therapist. You know what I'm saying? So I tried anything to fix myself first. Mm-hmm. You know, finally, you know, I mean, I, I saw a therapist, yeah. But, you know, that writing and, and that trying of always trying to make myself or improve who I am, that doesn't stop. You know, I, I'm no. still trying to do that. Nor should it. But hopefully, I'm not jumping ahead here, but hopefully it's a balance of, doesn't have to be a full page, right? It can be just one sentence or even one word. Now, yeah, just now it can be. Now it can be. And I think I, I, the first part, I think I just had to train myself to just yeah. sit down and do it. That was number one. Number two was to train myself to get what I was feeling, get used to documenting what I was feeling at the moment. Yeah. And sometimes that length of time to go for the full page was really trying to identify how I was feeling at that time um, because it wasn't something I was used to. It was not something that I could that I could readily do where a sentence was enough. You know, it's, it's funny Hard that this kind of like answers part of the question too. It's like when I suggest or I say of, and I just joked about even during the podcast here, of self-care, right? Just the, like I say, like I know therapists sometimes have we have that stigma of like we're just sitting on top of a mountain doing yoga for 60 minutes in the morning having like yeah. a nice herbal tea right like but in real life if you can find five minutes and then it kind of goes to you know self-care what do you mean like going to the spa like getting like my feet done and like no <laughs> can be That's perfectly okay <laughs> but also just that understanding of yeah all you need is a couple of minutes all like hearing that word self-care of taking that just two minutes and i literally say to people of Honestly, just go hide in the bathroom. No one will say nothing. Just put on the fan and just sit there for five yeah. minutes and just sit there, like just digesting like everything that's happened today. Because, you know, just having that self check in of, right, your silly little lion, like, or what your number is, is like, man, I really feel like, all right, I'm at an eight. How do I get down to a six? Because I, I don't like feeling like an eight. And just that five minutes of 
self-care of, all right, where am I? Like, I'm just, the, the understanding is kind of blows more people away of, oh, that's it. Like, that, that can help you. I'm like, it can. If you train yourself, you do it. It becomes a habit and routine of, it can make a world of difference because when you're more aware and more understanding of what's going on with you and where your head's at of why am I not present or just an understanding, it creates a world of difference of who you are and how you present to everyone around you. That's, yeah, no doubt. that's, that's where it needs to start. So. so did you answer my question when I asked, how, how, do, how do you deal with the, with the, with the machismo coming in and the machismo not coming, not, uh, trying to deflate that I guess so I wonder too if being honest here, if like see when I hear machismo and, and I feel like it's like a cultural thing right I feel like I came across more of that when I was doing in-home therapy with some some dads maybe that's where you know from your side of like seeing the cultural side of you know it is more machismo it is like pride and I think yeah, yeah. I think where I see more is more lost deflating at times of like it's not even about pride or machismo. Some it is, of course. Um, it's usually pretty thin. It's usually like I just do that because that's just you know comes across right. Like you just can clearly just get past that. And it goes right to softy. Yeah. And so it's just a lot of yeah, just of that deflating of just kind of listening more, right? I think too of like wanting to be heard. Yeah, that's huge. I think I think a lot of guys, you know, when I say like this is a safe space, this is a place where you can say whatever is on your mind. And you know, they so say like, "I think I've been talking for thirty minutes." That's yeah, okay. That's what's on your mind, right? Yeah. For myself too, as a therapist, I've been learning if that's therapy too. If it doesn't have to be of, all right, what do we do for cognitive behavioral therapy this week? Do we complete the mantra worksheet? Do we do this? And not getting lost of, you know, sometimes with EAPs things like that, right? We have to try to condense things in a certain number of sessions, and that could be difficult. But yeah, um, yeah, that's. That's why, you know, I, I think it's been been a positive experience for, for a lot of people. I think it's helped propel me to, to doing what I'm doing now. Of, all right, maybe maybe in some weird world that maybe I'm onto something here and maybe I can spin this into helping more people and putting it out there and seeing if I can make this grow into something to actually help people. I mean, actually kind of be something bigger than just just a word and just a small little podcast and see, see where this can go and I think just the honest conversation we've had tonight is proof enough that yeah there's a big need and anytime I brought up the ideas to either therapists or producers of similar to your reaction it's like oh that's that's a really good idea like yeah no one really has that like there really is no place or no thought or idea of like how to make this into something to actually create that next step of all right we know what a dad what a guy should be and act like and kind of what that template is and trying to create that and trying to create those new social norms right to kind of break break that cycle of your uh, bud drinking people at the at the <laughs> house there yeah the escapism the escapism is huge right and we all do that men women yeah. But I think just trying to understand that, just trying to have a place where you can be heard or you can talk or, yeah, just find uh, so that you feel like you're not the only one making dinner. You're not the only one dealing with uh, a kid that lost his marbles at his first <laughs> golf class. Say they almost went home. I, I literally was in the minivan. I'm like, All right, you have a choice, buddy. Either we're going home or we're never coming back or we can get it together 
we can take a few deep breaths, which I'm like to myself, like, I'm taking deep breaths now. We're both taking deep breaths because, and when I talked to Holly about it later, it was just, it was just like that thing of like, not, not that I didn't want to hear it, just of like, okay. And that is when, when my son is just kind of having his little nutty there, as I call it, and just sensory overload. And, yeah. But you get all the stares because you're the dad. Yeah. And like, especially in a place like golf, like, are you like a Tiger Woods golf dad? Like, like I'm like taking, like dragging my kid who's screaming, but I just want to get him out of the way because no other kid's screaming and he's just having a hard time acclimating to like what he needed to do and was still in a, in a, in a state. Yeah. And right, I'm not trying to harm him. I'm not trying to yell at him. I'm just trying to get him out of the way. But you're getting all the stares. It's always that I feel like that pressure of like, well, you're a horrible dad. Like, what what did you do? Like, why is he upset? And, and Holly's like, I don't ever see that. I don't, I don't, I don't get that. I'm like, because moms don't get that because moms didn't get the support and the help. Usually if they see like a kid crying upset, they don't assume it's like that she did it, that the mom did it or whoever the mom is yeah. did it or is part of the problem. They assume that with the dad. And that yeah. would bring me back to that. When that happens again, I'm like, oh, I hate this feeling. Like yeah. it's the most anxiety ridden feeling because I'm like, I'm not a bad dad. Like put a big sticker on me. I'm not a bad dad. I'm just trying to get him out of the way. Just trying to like have him like reset, reset. I'm a therapist. I have a business card. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Yep. He's not. He's not screaming because of what I'm doing. I'm trying to help him out, <laughs> and he was able to. Like he, he's able to kind of get back into it and got finished yeah. the class and had a great time. But that's what matters. Yeah, but it's like, and I was telling him in the car, and this is where it's like that parenting friendship where I have real conversation with my six year old. Of, I'm glad you had a great time. I'm glad that you want to keep because one thing I have is like special memories in a shoebox. So things that he finds as special memories in his mind. We put in a shoebox. We has like, you know, when we travel, like that we moved of like, you put your most important stuff in that shoebox. You decorate it, you do whatever you want. That's your shoebox of like memories and things that are important to you. So he knows what that feeling is even at six. So this piece of paper with his name on it, they wouldn't put on because he didn't want to stick it on anywhere. He wanted to put it on his shoe. I'm like, buddy, you got to put the stupid sticker that says your name on it (laughs) on your shirt. But no, he wanted to put it like on his zipper. So it kept falling off in a sweatshirt. Like, buddy. So, of course, at the end, he's like, I want to put this on my shoebox. Like, of course you do. Yeah. Of course. We were like, wrestled with it for 45 minutes. Now you want to put it on your shoebox. So I try to explain to him of, I'm glad that you feel better, but you have to understand, too, when you do that to mom or dad. I would try to understand how dad felt of, like, dad tries to help you, but people don't maybe understand that. So you need to see that, too. You need to, like, listen to me when I'm saying, take a deep breath or let's walk out. Let's hold my hand. Let's walk away. Let's try to take a second. You can't. You get, you're getting to the age now where you need to understand more of, you know, how that looks, how that feels for me too. And I don't feel good now. And I need some time too. You know, like how I tell you, Nolan, of not just take deep breaths, but we could do Star Wars yoga, things like that. Like, I need my time now. I recognize that of you've put me in a place where I'm overly anxious and, <laughs> and yep. feeling guilty and feeling all these different feelings. You know, so. what, what's crazy is that, you know, that looking at when, when you have other people looking at you when your son is screaming oh, it's the worst. it worst. is the worst at that time, think, everyone thinks like you hit him yeah it's awful um yeah and it kind of sucks that there's almost the need of validation from the outside world looking at you like okay he's doing the right thing um right so when everyone right. knows i'm dead any i'll have my shirt on all the time I'm like oh it's just dead Eddie. we're okay he's yeah. not hitting his kid well, that's what well that's why you have to you have to get the t-shirt so they know I did. I bought it. It did not come out right. It just <laughs> Ennio starts like right in between like the second and third roll. It's it's a hot get, mess. Get the t-shirt. Get the t-shirt so that when your kid is screaming at the golf, people know that you're dead Ennio and, and it's all good. You're doing yeah. Things. 
Yeah, but I, I, I tell you, we had one. We had a few episodes, uh, both with my son, I believe. Jennifer had one with my son. I know I had one with my son where he wanted a cookie at the grocery store, and I said, "No, you've already had enough cookies." This dude throws a fit at the grocery store. I pick him up by the jacket, and I walk around. I'm just getting a couple of things at the grocery store. I walk around with him kind of one-handed, you know, in a fist, just grabbing him by the jacket. And I'm paying, you know, I'm at the I'm at the self-checkout, pay with my card and walk out. And as soon as I'm walking out, this old lady comes up to me and says, good job, dad. Which I thought was, it was really nice. Like this lady to come, come to me as a stranger, saw my kid from the jump, begging for a cookie. I said, no, and I stuck to it. Yeah. You know, a lot of parents, when the kid flips out, They'll be like, yes, all right, stop flipping out. You're causing a scene. I don't want people to look at me. Here's a cookie. Yeah, you know? that's the friend part too there, yeah. yeah. So, and I'm here with my kid, like, you know, nah, dude, you're not getting that cookie. Mm-hmm. And he's screaming, and I'm paying, you know, self-checkout with one hand, my kid's on the other hand, you know. Mm-hmm. That's one scenario. Another one, another old lady went up to my wife at Target, and my son wanted to go around without holding my wife's hand. She gave him an option. You can either get in the cart, in the shopping cart, you know, the little seat in the front, or you can hold my hand. Mm-hmm. He wasn't having either. And he threw, he threw a fit, lost his shit right there at Target. And my wife was like, hell no. Now she picked his ass up, put him in the cart, and that was it. Two parents went up to her and said, good job, mom. That's how you do it. Older ladies. They both, every time that that's happened, the twice that, 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 well, the one time for me and one time for my wife that I know of, mm-hmm. it was too older. And I'm talking like, you know, grandmothers, like in their 70s, mm-hmm. came up to us and said that. And yeah. that validation, like that made me, that told me, you know what, instead of them looking at me like my, like I'm, like I just spanked the shit out of them or something and they're causing a tantrum or whatever, having a tantrum, right. that validation really like gave me confidence. I know I'm doing the right things. Yeah. And I think, yeah. you know, people see that. And if they have that type of validation, that confidence, it makes a huge difference because sometimes you can feel like a bad dad, even though you're not. Yeah. But the outside world is making you feel like one. And I'm also aware, too, that like part of it is my own, like in my own head of just that feeling, right? It is a feeling. Maybe they weren't. Maybe they were. I don't know. But. It's it's part of me learning too of, you know, destigmatizing it, trying to like feel like this is normal and people aren't looking at me in a bad way, looking at me maybe in a normal way, hopefully, you know. So just try to see it from that way too of, you know, sometimes recognizing your own stuff too of, maybe it's maybe it's not that maybe it is me. And that's yeah, yeah. part of like growing up too of no understanding and learning. So no yeah, it's been one hell of a day. But I want to thank you again for being on the show and Pleasure appreciate taking all this time and maybe we got a three-parter out of this but i think it was quite important and quite just pivotal and interesting of validation too right of this podcast and what we're doing here and we're gonna start like a uh, online uh, thing there of having cocktails with caesar every every friday night cocktails no you'll never you never never not have a friend at a, at a bar again having a slow that's cocktail right. that's right <laughs> that's cool all right thank you very much Thank you for listening to this two-part episode of Dead O'Neill. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I 
enjoyed getting a chance to speak with someone that I've looked up to as a dad and as a friend for a long time. I just wanted to let this conversation go and flow. And sometimes that's important. I've learned more as a therapist than uh, a dad and a father and a friend. And I'm letting that now carry over of, I just wanted to see where this went. And I think it was very special to me. And he's told me it's very special to him that we had this conversation of kind of saying things that maybe been on our mind for many years or things we've thought about, but you know, we've seen each other so little throughout the years because we live in different places and lived lives of, he has older kids now and I have younger kids. So it was great to just kind of sit down and do that. And I encourage anyone with a friend that maybe they've lost touch with or a family member that why not? Why not just reach out? Why not just say, hey, I'd like to just have a chat. Let's just, you know, get online even, meet somewhere, whatever the case is, you know, if it's a short distance or long distance. I think it's a very important piece of finding mental health in community, in your support. And that's a big piece that I think is overlooked when we talk about mental health. And I'll be talking more about mental health and what I keep hearing this word of the mental health problem that we have. And I'm going to dig more into that in upcoming episodes. So feel free, as I said, to go to downhill.com, go to facebook.com. And next episode will be up soon. Thank you.